This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Yes, along with me, we've got a, the full house backfield. Mr. Ty, Brian, and Jake along for the ride tonight. And with everybody talking about the Nets, let's talk a little bit about the Knicks. Let's go to work. We begin with the New York Knicks. Tomorrow night, of course, is the NBA draft. And with all this talk about is James Harden coming? Is he not coming? Should he come? What happens if he does come? What happens if he comes and they don't win? What happens if now that everybody's been rumored in the trade, he doesn't come? How did the players feel? Whew. We've forgotten about the Knicks for a moment. What will they do? Interesting article in the New York Times from the Stein line. Mark Stein uh, does a very nice job. He's covered the NBA for a number of years. And he reports that the Knicks are kind of indecision. All right? There's some in the organization who say that we need Russell Westbrook. Go, go, Westbrook. Go, 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 go. And then there's others who are like, eh, let's just hold off a minute. We don't necessarily need Russell Westbrook right now. Part of the reason, I would think, is they're concerned about, well, what's it going to take to bring the young man here? All right? Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook a bit. Just a little bit. Let's, let's remind you of his credentials, shall we? Remember, if he comes, there's a very good chance that you will make the playoffs because part of the, he makes so much money that part of the people that you have to get rid of have to make a lot of money. And since you have a bunch of expiring contracts on here, one of those players I would think would have to be Julius Randle. And, uh, you know, Mark Stein agrees in his article. He mentions Julius Randle as being a possible, possible part of that trade. But let's talk about Westbrook. And the Knicks. Last time the Knicks had an all-star point guard was Mark Jackson, 1989. They haven't been to the playoffs in six straight seasons. No team has a worse winning percentage since the start of the century. Yikes. Russ has three years, $132 million left on to what this day is the largest contract by total value of NBA history. That is since, you know, James Harden turned this $50 million a year down. He turned, he turned 32 years old today, coming off a yeah, disappointing season, 27-8-7. That's disappointing for Russell Westbrook, who had become the modern-day Mr. Triple-Double, right? No player in Knicks history has put up that stat line. Former league MVP, who averaged a triple-double in three straight seasons, 146 triple-doubles, Russell Westbrook. The Knicks as a franchise, 87. Now look, that's the positives. Here's some of the things you're concerned about. High-volume shooter, not the most efficient player, not always smooth, right? Not always, you wonder, like, what is he doing on that play? Yeah, bonehead plays. <laughs> but one of the things you will say about him, and there's no argument and you'll get no argument from folks in the league, is he is still one of the best players in the NBA. Here's one of the other things that is a downside to him, I would say. I don't know that there's a whole lot of folks who want to play with him, okay? So if you're talking about, okay, we bring in Russell Westbrook and that makes it look like we're turning things around and that's going to draw more attention, not, not just from free agents, but maybe people who you know, have expiring contracts or no trade contracts. And they say, you know what? Uh, all right. You know, maybe I'll take a shot there because, you know, I get a chance to play. I get a chance to play with, you know, Russell Westbrook. Maybe there's a bunch of folks who don't necessarily want to play with Russell Westbrook. So I think that's an issue. But the one thing that, and I've been kind of on the fence with this, to be honest with you, I understand all the downside of Russell Westbrook. Will he be the, the injuries that he's suffered of late? Uh, will he be able, will he still be the same player near the end of the contract? The amount of money that's on the deal. And so that's a negative. All right, clearly. What does he bring into the table? Will he help young players learn how to win? Will he get them to the postseason? So even though these young players who don't have any postseason experience, and if they maintain the way they are now, I don't see them getting any postseason experience this year. 
at some point in time, you want to teach your young people what it's like to win. This franchise hasn't won. There's a bunch of players who don't know what the playoffs are like unless they're watching on TV, all right? And so when you look at it from that standpoint, there's a possibility that you would be, you know, interested in maybe making that move. And I do think from the Knicks standpoint, as I've, as I've said before, with what's going on in Brooklyn, I think they may have to tweak their line of rebuilding, okay? Yes, I understand that you want to build through the draft, and by trading for him and using the players that you have, I mean, come on. How many of you called me last year, last season, and complained about the Julius Randle spinorama, oh, my God, the ball's going the other way move that you saw a lot of? Now they were and and what we found out about him is he is a compiler, right? He'll give you triple, he'll give you double doubles, double figures in points, double figures in rebounds. But you don't win games. So, wouldn't you want somebody that could do that and you win some games? I mean, it's it, it's a it's an interesting situation now because we're comparing it to last year. But when you think about it, it's really different, right? Because you got Tom Thibodeau here, and players understand he's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's going to be here, five-year contract, I would say, unless something just goes terribly wrong and James Dolan feels like paying some more coaches that he's fired, Thibodeau's going to be here at least three or four years. So when you understand when you're coming to this team, you've, you've got finally, which is a asterisk, Finally, some continuity that you're going to have a coach with a system and it's going to be the same coach with the same system, in theory, for the next couple of years, which has been a change because that's not always been the case. So there's a lot of different ways to get this. There's a lot of different things. I I like that there is a discussion in the garden about what should we do? Should we trade for him? Should we not trade for him? And clearly... It's also going to be the main, the other part of this is what will Houston want for him. And let's make this clear. Whether it's Russell Westbrook or whether it's James Harden, Houston is trying to get as much as they can for either or both of these players. And the more I read, the more I listen, I'm not sure that the Nets have enough to bring James Harden here. I'm not sure. Houston has got the attitude of we're holding on to as as much as we can. And we don't care whether Harden and and Westbrook don't like each other or or don't think they complement each other's game or what all that stuff is. We don't care about that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play and wait until we get the best deal possible. That's what they're looking at. So that leads us to our poll question. At hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. What should the Knicks do on draft night? Should they use their assets to trade up? Okay, they've got the number eight pick. Should they try to trade up? Should they keep the pick in the eighth spot? All right, we'll stay where we are. We're good. We know who we want. Whatever happens, we've got two folks, one of the two that we really want, we'll get. Or should they trade it for a star? Should they trade use that as part of a deal? Because clearly Houston's going to want a number one pick. Any deal that the Knicks make, the other team is going to want a number one pick involved because they know the Knicks have first-round picks, right? So any team, you're going to have to talk first-round pick in any move. So should they take that pick and trade it for a star? Also on Twitter, that's our poll question at Hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Our poll question, what should the Knicks do on draft night? Use their assets to trade up, keep the pick, or package it as part of a deal to trade for a star like a Russell Westbrook. If that's who they go want to go after, what should they do with that pick? Before I get your thoughts, the NBA has officially announced the structure and format of this season. Going to have a play-in tournament also for the playoffs. Ooh. All right, so the season will begin Tuesday, December 22nd, features 72 games for each team. 
So in theory, each team will play three games against each interconference opponent. So that's 42 games per team. With each pairing featuring either two home games and one road game or one home game and two road games. Now within each team's division, the league office has randomly assigned which two opponents will be played twice at home and which two will be played twice on the road. All five teams from within the division will play all five teams from one other intra-conference division twice at home and all five teams from the remaining intra-conference division twice on the road. Each team will play two games against each inter-conference opponent, that's 30 total games per team, with each pairing featuring one home game and one road game. So the season's schedule is going to be released in two segments. So the first half of the season will be released around the start of training camp and the start of training camp is going to be in um, you know in a couple of weeks, right? December 11th through 19th are your preseason games, so you know that camp is going to be a couple of weeks right after the All Star break, uh, the, uh, the All Star break, the uh, NBA draft. Okay, got it. All right. The schedule for the second half of the season will be released during the latter part of the first half portion of the schedule. And the second half schedule will, will include the remainder of each team's 72 games not scheduled in the first half, as well as any games postponed during the first half that can reasonably be added to the second half schedule. So obviously that is some wiggle room based on this Corona-19 pandemic. All-Star break scheduled to take place March 5th through 10th of uh, 2021. And uh, that's the way it looks right now. And, of course, you will have a play-in tournament to determine the teams that will fill the seventh and eighth playoff seeds in each conference. So they kind of like what the playoff, the play-in game did uh, last season for them in the bubble aspect. So they're going to go back to it and see how that works. All right? So let's go to the phones. Get your thoughts. 1-800-919-3776. Marvin in the Bronx. Marvin, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Larry, I'm absolutely in favor of them trading it away for a star. And I'm not. And I'm also not convinced that the Nets are going to take over this town. But I'd love to see a little excitement at Madison Square Garden because it's still a magical place. I got to tell you a story. I was hanging around Penn Station one day. I said, I'm going to walk in the lobby of the garden. And I walked in the lobby, walked around a little bit, and it still has that magical feeling to me. Mm. And a star needs to be there because there's always got to be a star on Broadway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and there hasn't been many stars on Broadway for a while in the New York Knicks uniform, right? N- not at all. But <laughs> I, I must compliment you. You're the only guy I could pull off on the side of the road getting off of work to talk to. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Marvin. I really do. Thanks always for a checking pleasure, in. man. I appreciate you letting me lead off. All right, no problem. 1-800-919-3776. And I think that's Marvin's sentiment is almost the same as I think what's going on with Nick Management and that front office. And listen, it doesn't mean that the fans who really want them to go through the draft and build through the draft and continue to to build your team with young talent and have young assets, it doesn't mean that they're not going to do that. But they didn't bring a veteran coach and front office folks who have connections with players and a former player agent to come in and solely build through the draft. Because ideally, for a team to be successful, you want them to have a mixture. You need a mixture of talent. You need some veterans, and you also need young players. And hopefully, they grow together, right? And they get better together. Now, I'm not saying that Russell Westbrook is the right guy. He's the one that's been in the in the names, in the big rumors right now. So that's why we're talking about him, same way as we're talking about James Harden, who's been rumored to go to the Nets and, you know, maybe Philly, maybe wherever he's going to go, or maybe he stays in Houston. But clearly, I believe that the Knicks are looking to kind of improve their roster along with the young talent they have because let's face it and we'll see what this group of coaches do and this new scouting department and all the all the changes they've made but they've not really done that great of a job in selecting the talent that other teams have have picked 
and, and have picked after them, they haven't done a good job in selecting talent, and the talent they have, they haven't really done that good of a job in coaching them up and developing them. Spike is in Jersey. Hey, Spike, you're next on 98.7. Good evening, my friend. I think I'm going full circle here. When I was uh, about 13 years old, they changed the schedule to seven, from 72 to 80, and then it went to 82, late 50s. I'm sure you can look it up. I'm pretty close. And I've called numerous shows, as I usually do, and said I don't want Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I said Westbrook shows you how he plays, I wanted Chris Paul before he went to Phoenix because Chris Paul will show the youngsters how to play the game. I mm-hmm. think you would agree with me on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But now, when you enlightened me to the um, possibility of taking watch me dribble into a trap Mr. <laughs> Julius Randle to match salary, we'll take in our ride share and dump him somewhere. Nice fellow, but not my kind of player. Mm-hmm. He's a numbers hanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can get Westbrook, listen me through now, and we need mid-level guys. We can get the, Mar- or the Morris twins. They're both free agents. Mm-hmm. Get them both if they'll leave L.A., They want to be together, you know that, like they Mm -hmm. were in Kansas. And I think a couple of years with the Pistons or with some team, they were together. Uh, They could play for mid-level exception. So you take those two fellows who can both play, and you get Randall out of there, and you put uh, Westbrook in there, and maybe he could teach uh, Mr. Barrett, you know, a couple of things here and there. It's not that bad a deal. I'm still not thrilled with getting Westbrook, but... I would never get him to react to what the Nets do. I think mm-hmm. that's bad management. Do you agree? I do, but I understand that when you're in competition for the dollar and the dollar in this economic times is going to be a little different, right? Yep. A and B, you're looking at you're also looking at a scenario where uh you know the, the Knicks haven't been interesting. And so now as the Nets get more and more interesting, I think there's more pressure on this front office to make sure that you know, this is a, that it's got something for people to look at. So you're, tell, you're saying to me, basically, uh, if people are allowed to go into the building, uh, TV ratings, uh, the league's going to pay you the same amount if you win 16 games or you win 66 games. You get the same cut, I believe. You're not paid on meritocracy. Um, I, I'm not sure. I gotta, this is a tough one. Uh, I know this is it is. a real tough one. And I'll leave you with this. I mentioned uh, on the case show today, you gave me plenty of time, and I appreciate every, all you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Harden will probably wind up on the Sixers. And that's, what, that's what I feel. Because Harden and, and, and what's the big fella? Embiid, Embiid together, yeah. they could get him if they bring Simmons back out. If you think of Harden and Embiid, Probably two of the best guys at their position. I think it's Harden and Anthony Davis, and then you can mm-hmm. take who you want. Uh, not Harden, uh, Embiid and Anthony Davis as bigs. I think mm-hmm. you'd agree they're the two best bigs in the league. And then you take uh, Harden. It would just that would work really well for Philly. Uh, I don't see him going to Brooklyn because you're going to have what they call load management problems. If you listen, Chris, uh, Kyrie Irving's a pain in the ass. He really is. He's a great player, but he comes with a lot of baggage. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from the young man's ability to, to, to get to the hoop, to shoot, to make a big shot, mm-hmm. but he's got history of causing issues. He doesn't improve teams that much. So I'll leave you with this. I think the Knicks, if they do make a move, I would take Westbrook if you could get the mid-level exception, straighten up the front line, and then get some of the young smalls to, you know, the backcourt man, get another backcourt man. What's it, pick up what's his name? He just was traded and moved to the little guy, Bledsoe, uh, yeah, was moved Bledsoe. from Milwaukee. I would yeah, take him as a backup point guard. What do you and, think? And Spike, I have the way to convince you that you will, you will grab Russell Westbrook right now when I give you this move. All Ready? right, go ahead. I'll, I'll hang up and listen. No, I'm, I, no, I'm a, okay. I want you to listen. Okay. All right? Not only will we, I'll give you Julius Randle, I'll put in Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm going to wake my wife up and take her car because we need a little more room in there. Like, I'll even take Moutier back. <laughs> no, no, look, look. You, you no, brought, you, he played no, no, well no, no, no. Yeah. See, certain guys, Larry, yeah, we but, learned this in the park, and I know yeah. my nephew's listening. He's smiling. Certain guys can play 12 to 15 minutes a game yep. and not screw you up too much. They're not starters. The, the regulars a breather. Right. Moody played fine for Utah last year. He did. He was real. Yeah. But, but so then again. That's what he is. 
he's a backup point guard, and he's he big and he can guard a guy here and there. And once in a while, he'll get to the basket if he doesn't kick it out of bounds. I don't knock the guy. He just was drafted too high, that's all. You're and right. maybe well, we have the right scouts. Maybe we'll go to Westbrook direction, but I want the Morris twins because they're both, uh, from, what, what do they call it now, uh, veterans minimum? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I take both of them. They're both six seven, six eight. They both yeah. can shoot. They both can board. And they're going to want to live together, like I said. So we'll, we'll see how it works out. Stay safe, Larry. This thing uh, is crazy, too, so be careful. Definitely. Thanks for the phone call. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's an interesting thing. And for Emmanuel Moutier, when you realize the talent around you, I think you you know your place. When you're a guy, you look at the talent around you on this Nick team. You're like, hey, look, I might be one of the best players on this team. When he when he when he stepped on the court in Utah, he did not have that illusion. <laughs> when he looked in the mirror in Utah, he saw Emmanuel Mudiay. When he looked in the mirror here, he probably saw a top ten point guard, <laughs> and he's not a top ten point guard. And that was part of the problem with him and turning the, turning the basketball over and the issues that he had while he was here with the Knicks. Before we get back to the calls, I'm checking out uh, our mock draft. Yeah, ESPN.com. I want to see where they have the Knicks and who the Knicks will be taking. So if the Knicks stay in the eighth position on .com, they anticipate if he's still available, the Knicks will take Tyrese Halliburton. You know, the point guard out of Iowa State. So let's go through the strengths for a quick second. All right, so the strengths of this young man, good size for a point guard, 6'5", with a six seven and a half wingspan. That makes him, you know, he can defend either guard position. Fluid athlete who changes speeds, long strides, polished footwork, smooth body control, still developing physically. The polished footwork is, is key, right? Because you need to have a player, when you want a really good player defensively, footwork is is essential. <laughs> it's essential. This is what I love. Two things. Has one of the highest basketball IQs of any player in the draft. That's important. Smart player is invaluable. Size length, decent job off the glass, tremendous vision in pick and roll, does a nice job getting in passing lanes and even blocking shots on occasions. Here's what I like. 43% three-point shooter. 78% free-throw shooter at the college level. Hopefully he doesn't lose it at the pro level like so many others on this Nick team. But 43% from three? You know what the Hall of Famer Al Troutwick told us? You want three-point makers. And 43%? I'll take that. I will take that. Now, here's things that he needs to improve on. Has played off the ball quite a bit in his college career due to his struggles creating offense from in the half court. So that's, that's an issue. Can't always beat better defenders off the bounce cleanly. Needs to work on that. Low release on this pull-up jumper. That means if, if, he, if he's got issues getting his shot off in college, that's not going to be good in the NBA. Unless you're going to run picks and screens. You got him running all over the place. Maybe that will help him out. Uh, needs to get in the weight room, which is understandable. Needs to get in the weight room. And part of the reason why his 78% is so good, he attempted only 71 free throws in 57 games. So he's a guy that needs to go to the basket. And you wonder if he'll be able to make that adjustment in the pro. So some good things, basics, fundamentals. You like what you see. There's some good pieces there. There's some good information there. But he's going to need to do some work. So, obviously, hey, guess what? Like a lot of players that come out of college, no matter what the program, you need to work and improve your game when you get to the pros because it is a different level. Yes, I know it's still basketball. (laughs) I remember hearing that from LeBron James. When LeBron James was leaving high school, coming to – the pros. There was a press conference over in the Meadowlands at the then Continental Airlines Arena. And LeBron James was asked at that press conference, could he handle the next level of the pros? Right? Because faster game, 
more physical, so on and so forth. And he simply said to us, the reporters at the, that surrounded him, it's still basketball, right? For him, <laughs> the chosen one, King James, yes, it was still basketball. But for so many others who tried to make that just the jump from college to pro, not the leap from high school to pro, but the leap, the leap from college to pro, yeah, it's still basketball, but it's not that easy. <laughs> it's not that easy. Back to the falls. Richard's in Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 98.7. Hi, Larry. Larry, I was reading the post today, mm-hmm. and they're talking, you know, they're making a case for Cole Anthony, Greg Anthony's son. Yes. Because he, fought, he fell down, a lot, you know, a, a lot. lot. He a lot. was projected as a top five, top ten pick and got hurt at North Carolina. So, But, you know, I saw a picture, and it's a picture you'll never, ever see again. They show Greg Anthony the day that he was drafted as the 12th pick for the Knicks. Right. So he's got his Nick hat on, wow. the Nick jersey, mm-hmm. the Nick uh, uh, jacket. Now, right. he's hugging somebody. It's not his wife. It's not his girlfriend. It's not his father, not his mother, not his friend, not his brother. This picture, you will never, ever see a player hugging anymore. Who was he hugging? I don't know. Who was it? His coach, Jerry Tarkanian. <laughs> These kids now, there's no allegiance to any coaches. They're not yeah. there that long anymore, the kids. Yeah. So imagine if all the people he'd be hugging, he's hugging his coach because four years at uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, you know, that's how close he was with Jerry. Yeah, so that's it was for a good sure. picture to see. Yeah, you'll never see that again. No, very rarely. Well, maybe. No, maybe no. who's going to be committed? A, uh... Hey, Richard, maybe one of these Duke kids. <laughs> one year? But they're leaving after one year now. After yeah, year. Uh, well, Some well, of them yeah. leave after 10 games and they call, uh, call it off, right? Yeah, so, well, Coach I mean, K's not going anywhere. <laughs> There's no allegiance anymore. <laughs> you know, Larry, I was thinking of this. Uh, with the Nets getting hardened, they really they don't have a team. You know what it reminds me of? Sort of like the Cosmos in the late 70s. Just getting a collection of players. I mean, if they you get mean, rid Pele of... Pele and uh, Canalia, Canalia and Pele. Yeah, and... they just got all... It was a traveling uh, star show. I mean, it was fun it watching was. the Cosmos. And they didn't win all the time. I think they no, only they didn't. won two out of the four or five years. They didn't win every year. No, they didn't. No, no but they, they were entertaining. I mean, there's no yeah. question about it. And you always were wondering who they were going to get. Uh, I mean, getting hard. They don't. If they trade, you know, Levert, and they trade Dinwiddie. I mean, they trade Jordan. I don't know. All the players on the team will be gone. It'll just be a collection of, of players. That's it. You know, it's not really a team. And they'll have I to get know. a bunch of. Uh... I, I don't. Now, as far as the Knicks with Westbrook, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Marvin brought up excitement to the Garden. There's yes. not going to be fans. I mean, we're going to wipe this year. I don't see fans coming back this year. They're hoping that later in the season. It, yeah, I know. I know. I agree with you. But they're what's hoping. They're now? really the hoping. The teams are going to be open tomorrow. I mean, who knows what's going yeah. to go on? It's true. Schools. How do you, you're your right. Your may not be breaking in December. I don't know. Listen, you're right. But I think they're looking at more towards the second half of the season, and that's why they're holding off before they go into releasing the schedule, Richard, for that second half you of the know, season because so they got to make some wiggle room here. What are talking about? Who's yeah. going to go watch Russell, Russell Westbrook play? Nobody. You know? I mean, this is not Carmelo Anthony. And, uh, you know, you. I understood why Dolan had to do that. You know, he mm-hmm. had put a half a billion dollars or whatever it costs to renovate the garden. And, you know, he wanted mm-hmm. to stop star power for their patrons. You know, you have yeah. to put up a good product for that. So I understood why he did that. But now, I don't know. There's no money coming in. Well, yeah, you're right. But you know what the other thing is, too? And thanks for the phone call, thanks, Richard. Uh, Always good talking to you. The The other part of it is the TV ratings, too. I mean, listen. <laughs> I'm sure MSG has taken a hit in Nick Games, in the viewership of Nick Games over the past couple of years. I'm sure. Because what is there to watch? What? And long-term thinking, and what, because clearly, Richard, the NBA was ready to push. They, there was talk that the NBA wasn't going to start till February or March because they wanted to be able to open the season with the hope that they would have fans. And even similar to what 
football has in some stadiums across this country. They were hoping that they could even get something with turnstiles buzzing. And so they just decided, listen, we have to get this season started. It's not going to be that way because they've got the the Olympics as a as a drop dead date. So they don't want a conflict. They don't want to have their players trying to they don't want to stop their season to have players go. If there are Olympics, right? Even if there are Olympics. Well, right now they're scheduled. So we'll see what happens there. Richard, you mentioned Cole Anthony. Now, Cole Anthony, during the during the college basketball season, Cole Anthony was clearly, before he got injured, he was a top 10 player in college basketball. Top 10. Especially a point guard. He has now dropped in the ESPN Sports Analytics projections for the top 100 prospects in the NBA draft. He is now 28th in the top 30. 28th. That's a big drop. That's a huge drop. Anthony Edwards, number one. LaMelo Ball, number two. James James Wiseman, number three. Those are your top three. Therese Halliburton, who we were just talking about, on, in the draft, our draft on ESPN, projected to go eighth to the Knicks. He is number seven. Killian Hayes. Is our poll question, what should the Knicks do on draft night? Should they use assets to trade up from eight to maybe one, two? Maybe want to play let's make a deal with Golden State? Hmm? Should they keep the pick, stay at eight, be cool, hopefully get the player that you want on your board? Or should they package it as part of a deal for a star? All right. Early poll numbers. 17% of you say use the assets to trade up. 24% say trade it for a star. Just under 59% say keep the pick. Keep the pick. At NetBurner, triple O three or double O three rather, says Nick should trade the eighth pick and Knox to try and get Anthony Edwards. Then trade Julius Randle and whomever to get Bobby Heel off the bench, point guard off the scrap heap. He oh, that kid always lights up the Knicks, right? Lights up the Knicks. He, he, he just does. Signed a four year, $15 million contract with the Pelicans. Right. Uh, so he will make four point eight, a little over four point eight mil this season. I'd love to have him in the backcourt. He can shoot the basketball. At least, like I said, against the Knicks, he can. He always shoots well against the Knicks. Always. At Pure Magic seven eighteen, Knicks will draft someone mediocre. I feel. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully, with the new folks, they'll do a better job than what they've been doing. At uh, Guardiola Randy, who can they trade the pick for? Well, they can trade with a team that's above them to try to get the player they want. You know, it goes, as I mentioned, they could make a trade to try to get the player from Golden State uh, because Golden, what Golden State is trying to do you know, is get the best deal for them. They're trying because they're not really trying to rebuild. They're trying to retool and get some depth on their on their team. You know, clearly that's what they want to do. Because I mean, you know, they st- they still have parts of a championship team. And had they not got injured with the injuries, who knows? They coming back, they still may have something to say about the situation out west, right? Back to the phones. Bruce is in Flushing. Hey, Bruce, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. Um, a couple things about, about, about the Knicks. First, mm-hmm. first off, I don't want to hear the commissioner announcing we got another guard from France. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, the kid could be good, but there's too much karma involved with picking point guards from France. Yeah, there's, there's been – or big men. From France. <laughs> yeah. Um, number two. Yes. What I would do, and I, I think I, I mentioned this to you before, depending on what the trade is, and that's a big if, if I can trade the number one pick 
from Dallas pick, which is a couple years down the road, if I can give up Dennis Smith, throw in uh, the guard from Kentucky, whatever combination. Um, you mean, Paul, you mean Kevin Knox? Like that, then definitely go after Westbrook. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I'm listening to the people over the last few days. Number one, as a Knicks fan, aren't you tired of watching teams that have no charisma, no excitement, and and also losing excessively? I mean, I could go back to the old days of the Bush and Reed and, and Frazier when the gun was alive. And, and you know, Westbrook is not perfect, obviously, mm-hmm. but he brings something to the table. And... And to, to people out there, this is a business. If, if the Nets are going to have a big two or even a big three, they're going to wipe the Knicks right off the, the the front page, the newspapers, the media, everything. And if you're Jim Dolan, you've got to say to yourself, okay, i got to do something. And he's well in the cap to get Westbrook. So is Westbrook perfect? No, of course he's not perfect. But he's better than you have now, and he brings um, excitement, and he brings there's a reason why to watch Nick games. There hasn't been a reason to watch Nick games in the last four or five years, except for Porzingis, and look what happened to Porzingis. Yeah, you're right. And w- one quick point about the Nets. Sure. Here's my prediction. Mm-hmm. If they make this trade and they have a victory, it would not. it's not going to succeed. You explain to me how with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Durant and, 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 and the bad man himself, James Harden. Mm-hmm. James Harden, explain to me how you have those three guys in one basketball. I, I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> I still I haven't mean, figured it out. I haven't. I mean, the Lakers in the 60s, and you and I remember the old days, mm-hmm. when you had Baylor, West, and, and, and Chamberlain. Chamberlain, yeah. Yeah. They couldn't do that. No. And Baylor, I mean, Bay, and Baylor, I mean, they, they were a good team, and, and they went to to championship game. But even Baylor had to basically reduce himself to a shell of himself. Yeah, I mean, Baylor was a great player, but on that team, he he had to be subservient to West and Chamberlain. And I don't see any of these three guys being subservient to anybody else on that team. Well, I'll say this, Bruce. And thanks for the phone call. It's, a, it's an interesting point. I'll say this. I think Kevin Durant would be the one that would give in and make the adjustment because that's what he did in OKC. I mean, when he played alongside Russell Westbrook with, at that time, James Harden, or Jim as Peter Rosenberg calls him on the Michael K show, uh, was coming off the bench. That's what they did. Durant was the guy that deferred to Russell Westbrook. There were times, and I remember a number of conversations where we had on this air, and, on, and Stephen A. would have it on first take about, you know what, Kevin Durant needs to take some of these last shots. And no, Russell Westbrook would take the last shot. So we know that Kevin Durant is a type of player at that time that was able to defer. Now, because he's won some championships, is he that same player now? I'm not sure. We'll find out. But it is an interesting scenario to see which one of these players are going to be the one to say, okay, look, I know that we have to make that sacrifice for everybody to work and everybody to be involved and everybody to have a chance to shine. I know we all do. And I don't know if they've got the same mindset as, you know, the the crew in Miami or the crew in Boston when they had their big three. You know, I don't know. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe they'll, because they understand and respect each other's talent, maybe they will work it out amongst themselves. That's the other part of it. Because remember, this is a scenario that Harden and and Durant, they want to play together just like Kyrie and Durant wanted to play together. And that's what players in the NBA do now. They manufacture their own guys and they try to merge it and make it work out. So if it does happen, it'll be interesting to see. Fran's in Massapequa. Hey, Fran, you're next on 98.7. What's up, my brother? How you doing? Doing great, Fran. What's happening? A couple of calls ago, I agree with the guy about Westbrook. The, the, the garden has been flat, dead, no energy. We haven't had anything. Even, even Carmelo, you know, he was all right. I, I, that experiment failed. What we need is a guy like Westbrook to come in, 
give him the reins. He's the type of guy you got to just say, go do it. We're not going to hold you back. You do whatever you want. Let him go on the court and fly up and down the court, jamming that ball home, doing what he does best. The energy, it, people are going to people that say they don't want him or don't like him, they'll learn to like him. You need that energy. You got to start with him and then build around him. Bring in a couple of defensive guys. Bring in a couple of guys that you know, a, a big guy, whatever. But you build around a guy like that just to give us something to start with. It's absolutely the guy was right two calls ago. The garden is flat. It's not. I mean, we're gonna go. We're gonna listen. You want to keep the eight pick? Trade the other number one and work out a deal for Westbrook. Yes, but I don't want another Kevin Knox. I don't want to go through Nilakina. It's 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 a it's a, they're failed experiments. You got to get a guy who's a proven all star who can run up and down that court in the NBA and jam it home and bring excitement. He'll bring a personality, and we need a guy like that desperately, desperately. I think it's a great idea to bring in Westbrook, and I, I'm telling you, we have to get a little bit of life. It's dead in the garden as far as players go. We have nobody. We have a couple of young kids, you know, the center. Uh, you know, I just I don't see anything. I just think you need a guy like that, and then you go from there. He'll make a couple of guys around him better, and the team will improve. We have to have somebody we can look to and say, hey, at least this guy's a baller, brings it every night, hustles. That's what we need. We need a guy like that just to get us out of this little funk we're in and just to, to get the fans a little excited. Of course, you're not going to be able to build overnight, you know, like LeBron and bring everybody in and win a championship. Mm-hmm. But you could get a guy like that, make it exciting to watch, build around them, and at least have a team that can go, you know, compete to be above 500, maybe make the playoffs. We, we can't look at a championship yet. We haven't even made the playoffs in years. You understand, yeah. man? I, I think that's the way I got to you, go. Friend. All right, my friend. Thanks, thanks for calling. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I know what you mean. And hopefully, but here's the thing. Hopefully this group of scouts will have more success than their predecessors did. We're hoping. I mean, you know, Donovan Mitchell should be here. That's all I'm saying. Donovan Mitchell should be here. Mo's in Queens. Hey, Mo, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Uncle Larry. How's everything, man? Everything's good, Mo. What's up? I mean, I'm I'm a little depressed, man. I'm a Knicks, Why? Jets, and Mets fan, and you know how that goes, man. And it's been 24 years as a Knicks fan, and the highlights of my years is obviously Carmelo Anthony, but besides that, it's like people like David Lee, Nate Robinson, Eddie mm-hmm. Curry, Jamal Crawford, Stephon Marbury. And there's a little disappointment. Hearing these calls, people talking about they don't want Westbrook. I mean, yeah, we understand that he's not going to win us a championship, but can we sniff the playoffs? Can we at least <laughs> taste the playoffs a little? You know, the same people that says they don't want Westbrook, or even if they do want Westbrook, are the same people that bash Carmelo Anthony for being here and trying to be successful and trying to uh, start a path and bring a championship, uh, bring a championship back in New York. Uh, people are going to bash Westbrook, man. He's a great player, obviously. We all know that. But during clutch moments, he goes in the shell. He doesn't He doesn't pass the ball around that much. He's a good passer, yes, because he averages a triple-double. But he's not a willing passer. He's going to he's gonna stop the growth of R.J. Barrett, man. I'll, I'll, look, a couple. I'm saying negative things about Westbrook, but I'll, I'll take him gladly. Won't give up the eighth pick, though. There's no shot I'm giving up the eighth pick. The only way I give up the eighth pick is, to go up one or two in the draft, which is not going to happen because the only two stars I see in the draft is Mamola Ball and uh, Anthony Edwards. So I'm going to just hang up and listen to you. Have a good night, Larry. Nice talking to you. All right, Mo. Thanks for checking in. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. But, see, then you have to rely on your coach and you have to rely on Thibodeau to make sure that you rein Russell Westbrook in. And since you've got a veteran coach here, you have a better opportunity to make that happen. So, for me, that's what has to happen to help so that you don't stunt the growth. Because when you bring a Russell Westbrook in, it's, he's supposed to help your young players, not hurt them. Our poll question, what should the Knicks do on draft night? Should they use their assets to trade up? Should they keep the pick? They're supposed to draft in the eighth spot. Should they keep the pick or should they trade it for a star? We're taking your phone calls and getting your thoughts on Twitter. Once again, 1-800-919-3776. Remember, you'll hear the NBA draft tomorrow night right here on 98.7 ESPN. Carlin kicks off our draft coverage. He'll be on 
before, take you into the draft. He'll break in and get the thoughts of the Knicks, get your thoughts on the eighth pick. Then he'll come back, and then we'll also chat with you and get your thoughts on how the night went for the Knicks and the Nets and who's the overall number one pick. So we got a lot to do tomorrow night. So make sure you join us here on 98.7 ESPN. Brian, let's go. Now here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. We begin in Houston where the Rockets front office led by recently promoted general manager Raphael Stone remains adamant that neither James Harden or Russell Westbrook will be traded unless the team meets their asking price. Quoting Stone, we're willing to get uncomfortable. So Wolves was on SportsCenter and says, here's what James Harden's waiting to do before he knows what he's going to play for the Nets. The Houston Rockets are not in any rush to just move off of James Harden. Remember, they're in a position where they have time on their side. He's under contract for at least two more years uh, there. And there's no sense right now that the Rockets look at that Nets roster and, and imagine the assets that might come back and that they feel like they'd have to rush into something to do it. But James Harden has made it clear to Houston he turned down a $50 million a year extension. That was the max extension off of his current salary. Two years, $103 million. Turned that down recently, I'm told, uh, and made it clear I want to go play with Kevin Durant. I want to go play with Kyrie. I want to play in Brooklyn. But right now, that is just a wish. Barton Hahn. Monday through Friday from 11 to 1 here on 98.7 ESPN. And today they had Jay Williams on. So Jay told the boys if the Nets get hardened, they're the favorites to win it all. This can't be the old school Mike Dean, Tony Way of Houston. If, that, if that's the case, then they're just going to be another version of Houston. I mean, I, I think that's so good, but I don't think that wins you a world championship. This has to be a blend of what Steve Nash wants to do. And everything I've known about Steve, spending time with him in New York, been talented in Brooklyn, is that I, I think, Steve, there's more of a continuity. Like, if there's one guy that had the ball in his hands a lot, that was Steve. But now when you have James and and Kai and Katie together, like, there has to be a little bit of that blend of that Golden State offense with that Mike D'Antoni offense. And if that's the case, man, I don't know how you don't have them the favorite to win it all. Hmm, interesting. All right, Jay, so what about the Knicks? Should they go after Russell Westbrook? No. I don't go for Russell Westbrook. I stay the damn course. It, it, it's People may not like it, but I stay on the course of the draft and I keep building assets. I want to see Russell Westbrook in New York. I think it would be a good fit for Russell. I'm not sure it would be a good fit for the Knicks long term. It's just I, like you just, I don't know if a lot of just, players want to play with Russell Westbrook at this stage of his career. I love Russ. Russ is a competitor. He is a beast. Yeah. But like just everything I've seen becomes about Russ. And for you know this. Or you know, it's like when you're when you're young on a team that has not formed your identity. If you don't have somebody that is just saying we, are, it's not. It's about us all the time. That can isolate a team. That can make a lot of your young guys go in a different direction. And it's all about if you want to keep R.J. Barrett, if you want to keep some of these young assets. Stylistic wise, they need somebody around them that's going to show them how they need to be in the next five years. I, I'm just not sure right now at this stage of his career if Russ wants to take the time, allocate the time to do that. Brian, help refresh my memory. Didn't a couple of weeks ago Jay Williams said that they should go after Westbrook? Yes, he did. Okay. All right, Jay. I, he let's keeps talk contradicting that. himself. I know, but he wanted he wanted Chris Paul too. I, I I'm I'm totally confused. All right, let's talk draft. Jay Williams, if they if the Knicks stay at eight, who should they take? I've had the luxury just because Oh, I watch his hoops all day, every day to watch Obi Toppin play. Now, if we were, if we had March Madness last year, I think it would have been, you know, March Madness puts a lot of people on the scene. Like we, we have too much stuff going on as related to the pandemic, the season shutting down, everything happening, sports calendars are all jumbled up this year. But if we had March Madness last year, we would have been talking about how special Obi Toppin is. And I now I've seen like a comparison to Amari Stoudemire. I actually think he's a little bit more skilled than Amari Stoudemire. But he, he's one of those guys that's come up the draft board pretty fast. Uh, I'm curious to see if he'll be around by then. But Obi Toppin would be the one guy I would mess with. Interesting. Let's move to baseball. You know, the Cubs championship architect, Theo Epstein, stepping down as president of basketball op- of baseball operations. Epstein had been with the Cubs for nine seasons. When he arrived, he tore the club down to rebuild it after a few lean years. Well, the project culminated with the 2016 World Series title. So does that mean that he says he's going to take some time off, but 
Jeff Passan spoke to Greeny, you know, Monday through Friday at 1 here on 98.7 ESPN. And Greeny asked Jeff, could the Mets go after Epstein? Here's the problem with that, Greeny. He's taking a year off. It's not just that he said it in the letter. I think he needs a break. And and we saw this in Boston, too. Like, he was overwhelmed there by that job. And, you know, his his eldest son is 13 now. He's got two boys. And, uh, you know, he wants to spend a little bit of time with his family. He wants to, you know, Theo Epstein is a very politically motivated person. And he has causes that are near and dear to his heart and he wants to devote some time to those too and i don't know maybe steve cohen comes in with the uh, the godfather offer of all godfather offers and and theo epstein looks at this and says i slayed the dragon in boston i slayed the dragon uh in chicago now i'm gonna go to new york where mets fans have been waiting 35 years and slay the dragon with them, too. Interesting. He would be a fascinating choice as a GM, but I got to wait and see if he's going to be available. Let's move to the NFL. You know, he's ranked 57th of the 64 starting safeties in the National Football League, but somehow Jamal Adams can't stop talking about his 0-9 worst record in the league. You know, Jets. Jamal Adams spoke to Brian McFadden on the All Things Covered podcast, and this is why he said he needed to leave the Jets. Man, we finished seven and nine, right? And we came into the locker room. Everybody was happy, clapping it up. And it was just like, what do I really want? Can I stand this again? Because, bro, I fought depression in New York, bro. And I'm man enough. Really? I fought depression, bro. Wow. Oh, but there was so many, there's there's been so many times to where I've, I've, I've came home after a loss, a tough loss, and just sat in my room, bro, in the dark. No phone, no TV. And pops will walk in and be like, Hey man, you all right? He hated to see me like that. It, it killed my pop so much, come to find out. He was calling my agent at the time and saying, hey man, I don't like seeing my son like this. I need him out of this situation. So it got so bad to where it took a toll on my life outside of football to where I had to make a move. I had to get out there because I knew what I wanted and I wanted to win. And I, it, it was like, man, they do not want to win. You know, it's scary. And, and we, we, we don't think about what players go through mentally. And it's, it's an adjustment. I've spoken to a number of players over the years who talk about life losing. Players come to the pros in various sports, and they have not lost. When you go to a bad team, you haven't lost this much in your whole life. I'm talking about, you know, from, from elementary school to junior high school to bitty, pony, whatever, to college. You haven't, you haven't lost this much, and it's a big adjustment. Finally, there are some who believe the 3-7 and seven Giants are the best team in the NFC East. Back-to-back divisional wins make it a legitimate conversation. Mike Tannenbaum was on DCR. You know DiPietro, Canty, and Rothenberg. They're on from 855 to 11 here on 98.7 ESPN. And while Mike Tannenbaum has been impressed with Joe Judge, he says Jones, Daniel Jones is, is improving, but I can't say he's the franchise quarterback yet. Every week, I think what Daniel Jones is, he's making deposits in the bank, creating equity for himself. But, look, he's still 26 in the league in, in completion percentage. I mean, if we just want to boil it down to the most you know basic things, he's 26 in yards per pass attempt. So um, I think we got a long way to go. And if you're sitting there and you're telling me that, you know, you got to evaluate Trey Lance and Kyle Trask, you know, there's going to be a lot of interesting quarterbacks, Zach Wilson from BYU. So besides Fields and Lawrence, we might wind up with five or six first-round picks and I just don't think you can annoy Daniel Jones based on eight consecutive quarters of good football. I agree with Mike Tannenbaum, but I will say this. As long as he doesn't turn the football over, he's looking good. That's Top Stories. Thank you, Mr. Ty, Brian, and Jake. Back to the phones we go. D is in Harlem. Hey, D, you're next on 98.7. Larry, how you doing, brother? Long time no talk to. It's been a minute, D. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, bro. Just a couple of quick things. I know we're getting short on time. Kind of stole my thunder a little bit. I was, I've was i been listening to you since the, uh, the beginning of the show, and you brought up an excellent point, and nobody has even touched on it again. What will we have to give up if we're the Knicks mm-hmm. for Russell? I think that's a major question. I think it's very important for us to be calm and not panic and throw our hand in and say, oh, you had five picks for the next." 10 years, whatever. No. What we need to do 
is play our cards close to the vest. The people in Houston, that ship is is sinking. Mm-hmm. The GM is left. The coach is left. The players want out. There's political issues involved. It's all kind of drama jumping off, Larry. And you've been bringing up a lot of good points and a lot of the callers. Someone referenced Donnie Walsh when Donnie was playing his cards close to the vest. Dolan's looking over his shoulder saying, no, 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 we got to make the deal now. Donnie wanted to wait. Cost him his job in the long run. Yeah. Bottom line is, folks got to learn to just, and it's good. I understand. We all want to vent. I've been a Knicks fan since I was a kid. Last time they won the championship, I was 17 years old. You could do the math. Anybody could do the math. <laughs> Let's see how long ago that was. 73. The point is, we just got to slow down for a second, make the picks, let this come back to us. Because for a change, instead of us be the one panicking, with Dolan running the show, because it seems like we have people that know what they're talking about and know what they're doing, more importantly, with Rose and World Wide West and everybody else, they're taking, I believe, the right approach. What do you think? I think so, D. Thanks for the phone call. I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do in the draft tomorrow night because I think it will kind of give us an idea as to what and, and, and the type of direction and homework that this new scouting department has gotten, led by the gentleman who, whose name escapes me, who was in Utah uh, and, and did such a great job there with some of the drafts that they had and look at the talent that they've been able to develop and look at how strong they've become out West. So to, to see a different aspect of the coaching and the scouting, that's exciting to me. So I'm very curious to see how this team drafts, what they look what do they find, especially in the second round? All right, because look, everybody knows this is a, a top-heavy draft. Okay, so where do you find those hidden gems, right, in the second round? And we talk about great second round. Listen, Mitchell Robinson was a second-round pick. Did a pretty good job. Okay? And yeah, this is his third year. You want to see now with with consistent coaching that he's going to receive over the next couple of seasons, how will he grow? Will he get better? Will will he be able to take that next step? I mean, I saw footage of him taking threes when uh, Tom Thibodeau was having his little camp up there. So, you know, <laughs> wow. Howard's in the Bronx. Hey, Howard, you're next on 98.7. You there, Howard? Hi, what's going on, Larry? Hey, everything's good, man. What's up? Um, Number one is I think the Nets – Got to go out and get Harden. I think it's the best move in the world. I think if they get him, they win championship, bring it back to Brooklyn over here, and just it's going to be all great. What do you think? Well, I think he gives them a great opportunity. There's no question about that, Howard. The, the, the only question is what will they have to give up to get him, and will that be enough? And Houston's made it clear that they're just not giving either Harden or Westbrook away, that they expect to get something of, of substantial talent in return and I think what when they say that what they mean is they need to have a a starter who's comparable all right and thanks for the phone call Howard they need to find a starter who's comparable to what they're giving up otherwise they're just not going to give them away this is they're not in a situation where they feel that oh we we got to trade them or we're going to they don't care the GM has made it clear. We will wait until we get what we want for them because both are under contract. So, you know, they want a starter. So, listen, what the rumored trade of Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert and, you know, a number of other players from this Nets franchise, which are very talented players, none of them are at the stature individually of James Harden. None. And yeah, they got some draft choices and whatnot, you know. So that's that's part A of the problem. Part B of the problem is, which is a nice problem to have, I guess, if you're Steve Nash and the coaching staff over there with Mike D'Antoni and company, is how do you get those guys to play together? And how do you fill out the remainder of your roster with, you know, players under the veterans minimum that you have to, to fill that out. And of course there's guys who feel like, Hey, I want to be a part of this because they have a chance to win a, a win a ring to get me some hardware, some jewelry. So yeah, I'll, I'll go along there. I'll, I'll play for the minimum of a million, two million. I'll play. I'll do that. And that's how you will bring up, you know, make out the rest of your team, but you're putting a lot of pressure on these guys 
but listen, I agree with you. If you're able to get James Harden and bring him to Brooklyn, that's what you do. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Uncle Larry. What's going on, bro? Everything's good, partner. What's happening? There ain't nothing, man. Listen, before I get to my point here about the Knicks and the draft, um, same thing I spoke about you maybe it was a few nights back. I was telling you I appreciate you, man, for all you did and help us get through that COVID time. I'm concerned, man. I haven't heard from my brother, Sal, man. My brother from another mother, man. Sal yeah. from Brooklyn, man. Yo, Second listen, time you mentioned brother, it. It was a call, man. Yeah. It was a call. Yeah. Let us know you're all right. Yep. You know, that dude was giving me, you know, some sometimes, too, some of the callers they get you through. You know, it's you true. and Trey with your shout-outs and all that. You get us yeah. through. Yeah. Now, that was my brother, man. You know, I need to hear that dude's voice. Let him know that he's all right, man. I know his family's good. His grandkids, all that, man. Yeah. Sal, you're if right. you're Sal's family, anybody, tell him to call in, man. We miss that dude, man. Definitely. Definitely. For real, man. But anyway, man, you know, listen, this is the best time in the world for the Knicks. It's the same thing as with the Jets, you know, before the season starts. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's O and O. You know what I mean? You know, there's, yeah. there's nothing but positivity coming through your veins. You know, like um, when the call screener has spoken, he's like, "Yo, this is, this draft is kind of weak." I agree with him, but in a way, that might help you. You know what I mean? Because when it's been clearly like one or two people, and then the rest of the draft is not really on their level. You know, the picks that the, the that the NBA be giving the Knicks has been criminal. But when it's like this, when you can't really tell, like, definitively whether the first play in the draft is better than the fifth play in the draft, that might help you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you pick the right guy, that might help you. If the Knicks want to do the right thing, the first thing they got to do, I mean, listen, you got to get rid of Knox and you got to get rid of Dennis Smith Jr. For the simple fact of you got to give a guy like Thibodeau. Now that you got him, I didn't really want him as a coach here, but now that you got him, you got to give him the ultimate chance to win and, and win with his style of play. And um, Dennis Smith Jr. and Kevin Knox, uh, they're both with tips. That, that's a match made in hell. Lazy guy, you know what I mean, who, who doesn't hustle. And then another guy who's sporadic and erratic and not known for his defense. The, the, those players are useless to him. So they need to make a move on that. You know what I mean? Um, hopefully, you know, I, you know I, I would like for them to get Westbrook just with a simple factor, just to be able to, to get the team maybe up above 35 wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're not going to win anything with him because, you know, it's clearly shown that, you know, his style of play is, is good, but up, up against the top-tier teams, he becomes irrelevant because he doesn't have a jump shot. But, you know, if you, can, if you don't get him, you're going to have to – get some kind of legitimate, um, that doesn't have to be a superstar, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to get some kind of a legitimate league guard with um, NBA experience who's averaged over 15 points mm-hmm. and six assists a game. I don't know who it is. You know, you got, that'll have to be figured out. You know, I, I mean, Drew Holiday would have been a nice guy, but, yeah. you know, he's gone. You mm-hmm. have to get somebody on that type of a level to be functional with these other two guys because as much as... Um, we heard about how um, Fisdale was going to come in here and players loved him and all that. Regardless yeah. of the fact that he didn't wasn't able to draw anybody in here, which was a bit hard for the next period, mm-hmm. his style of offense and what he was running, the guard play was, was putrid. When the other guy it took was. over Miller, they, they, they actually became a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But the guard play was putrid. And in this league, you know, you, you, you don't have to be star, but you can't be deficient. In that in that um, position on the court, you know what I mean. So you know that's what they're gonna have to do. They're gonna have to figure that out. And like I said, if the Westbrook thing doesn't go through, they're gonna have to find somebody, a competent point guard who's not gonna embarrass you. I don't need him to score thirty and get eight and eight, but I mean a couple of nights, twenty and seven and three, or you know an average of sixteen and something and seven you know, assists a game. That that's what will really help. And I'm pulling for these guys because I, I really, you know, I got to be honest with you. Like I said, you know, I'm a Sixers fan. Yes. But like with the NBA, man, like, like, what are you doing? Like, you keep talking about all the time you want the Knicks to be good. That the league is better when the Knicks is good. You've thrown them no bones. I don't Nothing. care what you say. There's none of those ping pong balls that's just bouncing around. And, and you have something to say with that. You know you do. So cut the nonsense out and let these guys get a player that they can actually do something with. But we'll see what happens with this eighth pick. Like, like I said, this draft is not the greatest, but that might work in the Knicks' favor. 
You know? You're right. You're right, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. Good call. Uh, because you've got, you're not going to be blown away or just get beaten when everybody's kind of on the level playing field after the top four or five guys, right? So then it's really, it, it's, it's a perfect draft for depth. You know, and so that's what, you know, that's what you're going to need. But there's no question. This, the Knicks have to find a way to upgrade their talent. Okay? I mean, listen, and this is, no, this is not a knock against Alfred Payton. He is a competent NBA point guard. All right? But, I mean, you know, he, when he played, he was hurt. He played, what, 45 games. When he played, the moments he played, I mean, he had seven, he had over seven assists. He had 10 points and seven assists a game last season. And when he played, there was such a difference in how the ball moved on that team. And he's not an elite point guard. Not. But you could just see that because he understood what where the idea of playing point guard and understood what movement meant and, and how that helped them and, and how players just had a chance to move. When he was out, the team was awful. Now, not to saying that they were great with him, but they were clearly better. You could see whatever offense they were calling, you could see that the offense flowed better. It wasn't just, you know, Julius Randle taking the ball and scoring or Marcus Morris Sr. taking the ball and scoring. You know, there was a flow to it. There was, you know, there, there was a little bit of organization that you had when he was on the floor. And so, yeah, that's what you need, and, and you need to find players who are better and incorporate them into your team, and that's how you get better. So once again, it's a combination of young players and talented veterans, and that's how you build, okay? It's not just all of one thing, you know. It's not just all of one thing. There was a, uh, a tweet to me at hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore seven FM. And we were talking about answering the poll question. What should the Knicks do on draft night? Use their assets to trade up, keep the pick or trade it for a star. And one of the tweets I got was from, um, at DNL who said, what was hiring Kenny Payne for? I thought it was specifically to do the development of Knox. I would hesitate on letting Knox go because I feel coach Payne will harness Harness Knox's true skill. And so he can still do that. But just because, and, and I, I agree with you, that was part of it. But I do think the other part of it was he wasn't just there specifically for Kevin Knox. He's there specifically for all the young players. Because as you know, you've got all these young players coming up in the draft over the next couple of years. Okay, you need somebody from that's a solid college coach who can help develop these players and translate the, the language that they need and what they need to do to improve their game from the college level to the pro level. So, yeah, it helped that Kenny Payne was involved and had coached Kevin Knox. Yeah, it helped. But he's not there specifically for Kevin Knox. He's there you know, to help all these college players uh, to make that adjustments, including Mitchell Robinson, who – you know, did not play college ball. And Izzy Bradzikas, who I thought uh, showed some some positive things when he got a chance to play, spent, some, spent most of the year in the G League. So these are the young players, the young players that you've drafted. That's why you have a Kenny Payne there along with the other coaches to try to help develop them. This is ESPN New York Tonight. 